morning and welcome to the broadcast today. I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve filling in for Dan Celia uh, with financial issues. And I am the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. Now, Dan is uh, dealing with an illness and we're praying for him that the Lord would bring healing to him and that he'd be back very, very soon. Well, I'm joined in the studio this morning with my beautiful and lovely wife, Debbie. Debbie, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, hi. And we're going to talk today about a subject that uh, really hits a lot of people, a lot of moms and dads, and that's the subject of prodigals. Now, I think most people, Christian and non-Christian, are familiar with the story Jesus told about the prodigal's son. Mark Twain called it the greatest short story ever written. So to get us started today, let's uh, review that story. Jesus was talking to the tax, uh, the tax gatherers and the sinners and the Pharisees. They were all there, and uh, they were coming, the tax gatherers and sinners coming near him to listen to him. And both the scribes and the Pharisees began to grumble saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And then he began to tell first the parable of the lost sheep, and then the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable that we know as the prodigal son. And he says, this is in Luke chapter 15, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the youngest son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his, squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, that is so key, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. This is what he said he was going to do. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slave, his slaves, quickly, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to be merry. They began to throw a party. The prodigal son. You know, in church, when you talk to moms and dads about prodigals, so many can relate to having a wayward son, a wayward daughter, somebody that they brought to church with them as they were growing up, some, some son or daughter that was very active in the church, but then they 
they get old enough, maybe it's toward the end of high school or they get into college, which so often happens, and they wander away from the faith. Uh, Debbie, what what has been your experience with that? Well, I, I do counsel a lot of women that, that come in and that's exactly what's happened to them. And um, it is so gut-wrenching and heartbreaking and um, it, it just rocks them at such a deep level because it hits them at an area of, um, of worth and value in terms of how they did as a mother. And they, I, I see so often that they tend to take on so much of the responsibility of that wayward child. And uh, I think it can, there's a much broader scope than just your children, because you can have a real burden for, for someone that maybe a sibling or maybe a friend, anyone who's just really wandered away. Um, because that's what that word prodigal means. It it just means uh, an abuser of grace, someone who's wasteful, someone who's reckless, who just makes, you know, poor decisions. And as a result of that has gone down a path that's led them further and further away from the Lord. And um, but especially for moms and dads, it's really hard because they seem to take on so much of the burden of responsibility of that. And um, that can be really hard to deal with. Uh, Satan can come and attack you with a lot of guilt, a lot of shame that some of it, maybe you, you know, you did make mistakes as a parent. We, we all do, but, but it's not solely your responsibility. Right. Well, you know, Jesus was the master of telling parables, telling stories, uh, an earthly story that people could latch onto that had a heavenly meaning. And uh, he would leave things out that you would have to just naturally fill in. So when the younger son said to his father, uh, give me this share of the estate that falls to me, well, that was uh, akin to saying to his father, you know, I can't wait around forever for you to die. I wish you were dead so I could have my money now because all I care about with you is getting my inheritance. So, uh, you need to cash me out um, because I got to get out of here. You know, you're you're stunting my growth and uh, I need to really live. And so the, the pain of that for the father to see his son um, with those actions tacitly say, I, I wish you were dead. Um, man, that's like a knife in your heart. And so, Debbie, as you're talking about the, the pain that parents feel, knowing that their children wander away. You know, we have a lot of parents that say, uh, my son, my daughter has embraced a homosexual lifestyle and um, it breaks my heart. And to see them, they know better, but they're they're doing this. And, and what, what do you say to a parent like that? Well, I think one of the, the first things that parents have to come to understand in the depths of their heart, and it, and it takes time to get there is that their prodigal has a very independent will that is completely separate from the parent. And I cannot control the will of my children. That, that's just impossible for me to do. Now, when they're under my roof and they're young, yes, I, I, I have a lot more control over it. Right. But as they get older, um, they definitely have an independent spirit. They have an independent will. And I cannot control that. And I cannot take the burden of that responsibility on myself. And um, that's hard to do because that situation causes so much stress and anxiety. And 
um, just tearful nights and sleepless nights, but we cannot control their choices of our, of our adult children and those wayward children. We can't, and we can't control the consequences of the, of their actions either. And so, um, it's just, uh, that's a work of the Holy spirit. He's the, he's the only one that can change their hearts. Right. And mom and dad, uh, you know, it doesn't do any good to beat yourself up. Maybe you did a lot of things wrong in parenting. I mean, who who doesn't? Who right. were no perfect parents around? We had Pam Tebow on the, Tebow on the broadcast on Tuesday and uh, she and Bob raised five wonderful kids. But she'd be the first to say we didn't do it perfectly because there are no perfect parents. Only God is the perfect parent. And God has a lot of prodigals, uh, a lot that wander away from him and uh, and seek their fun and their fame and their fortune and whatever. I, I tell our church often, here's the thing about it. Anytime you wander away from the Father's house, you think it's so fun, the passing pleasures of sin, but it always ends up in the same place. It ends up at the pigsty and you're eating pig slop and you're you're just in a state of tremendous shame because, as in the story, a Jew is feeding pigs. Hey, we're talking about prodigals today. We're going to be taking your calls, so don't go away. stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests, plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Thank you. 
Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, filling in this week for Dan Celia as Dan recovers from an illness. And we pray that uh, God would just bring healing to his body completely and that he'd be back very, very soon. I'm joined in the studio today with my wife, Debbie, and we're talking about the uh, issue of prodigal sons and prodigal daughters. You know, the, the scripture says, Proverbs 21, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, Debbie, why is that not something that a parent can just claim? If I do this, God says he's going to do that. I think that verse is definitely um, a, a good verse. It's a wonderful verse. It's a verse that we can draw strength and encouragement from. However, it, there's no guarantee from God because so much of the burden of responsibility from that verse comes directly from parents. And God is the one who changes a heart. And so I, I think that's um, we as parents, we can take try to take on so much responsibility and uh we can't determine someone's will. We talked about that in that last segment. And so it is it is a great principle, uh, a proverb and a principle that we that we can we can use and we can draw strength from, but it's not a hundred percent guarantee. It's not an ironclad promise from the Lord that every single time this is what's going to happen. Right. Well, proverbs aren't promises. Right. They're proverbs. And it's a general principle that says if you do this, generally, this right. is how life turns out. But now you were talking at the break about Samuel. Right. Yeah. When when you look back, uh, there's a lot of examples in the Bible, but one in particular in the Old Testament is in the book of Samuel. And you remember the birth of uh, Samuel, his mom, Hannah, had prayed and prayed and prayed for him. And he, he was dedicated to the Lord at an early age. And he just did everything right by human standards. But First um, Samuel 8, 1 through 3 says this about his children. He said, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. His firstborn son was Joel and his second was, say it again, how do I pronounce his name? Abijah? Uh -huh. Abijah, I don't know. Abijah. Abijah. Um, they were judges in Beersheba. However, this is the critical part. However, his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned toward dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. So even under the best of circumstances with a, a godly example of a great father, his sons still turned away from the faith and they did not um, walk in his in Samuel's footsteps. And so I think as parents, we have to remember that, that um, regardless of what we think we've done right or what we think we've done wrong, when we have a prodigal, when we have a wayward child, we have got to take our focus off of ourselves and we've got to put it on the Lord because only the Lord can change a heart. Right. And as a mom and dad, beating yourself up over things that you did five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that doesn't help anything. Um, so if you really messed up, I always tell people, if you mess up, fess up and uh, confess that to God and claim his forgiveness. First John 1, 9, the Christian's bar of soap. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Make things right with your son, your daughter that you harmed because maybe you weren't there when they were growing up. Maybe um, you had a terrible marriage and that hurt your kids because there was divorce and, uh, and things like that. But make it right as best you can and 
All you got to live is today. You can't fix yesterday and tomorrow may never come. All you have is today to live for the Lord and the power of prayer. We never want to underestimate that. Well, I read one quote in a a book uh, written by a mom of a prodigal, and, and she said this, that she and her husband learned that when we had our eyes on our prodigal, things seemed impossible. But when we had our eyes on God, everything changed to being very possible because of God's unlimited power. And so that um, that is just so important. And I, I think, too, we cannot, um, with prodigals, we can't, we have to be honest enough in the integrity of our heart to recognize that they may not have ever experienced a true salvation experience. Exactly. Now, some of them have, right. but a lot of them, it, it was, it never really took root. Right. So um, we cannot just uh, assume that because they made a public profession or something, but we haven't ever seen any fruit from that. We cannot just assume that. And we have to just, that has to be the focus of our prayer, that their heart would turn toward the Lord and realize that things can get worse before they get better. Right. Well, I think a lot of kids have secondhand faith. They have mom and dad's faith and they don't have their own faith. And so if if your child doesn't have his own faith, her own faith, it's not real. And uh, when they go off to college or when they get on their own, uh, then they're going to be challenged. And it's going to be like, hey, do I really believe this or is this just something mom and dad taught me and I kind of nodded to it. Uh, It has to be, uh, as Adrian Rogers used to say, sin is personal and so is salvation. No one can decide for you. You have to decide for yourself. Right. Uh, And I I know too, as a parent, you can just be praying and praying and praying for your prodigal. Um, I, I, I don't know of any parents of prodigals that are not just in prayer all the time for their, for their children. And it can just so often seem like God is just not doing anything because you're, you're seeing no progress. You're seeing no change. You're seeing um, no heart, no heart turning to back towards the Lord. And um, I read a great quote one time by John Piper that says that God is always working. He's always doing 10,000 things in your life, but you may only be aware of three of them. <laughs> and so he's God or is maybe none of or none of them. Yeah, because God is always working and we have to just keep leaning into him and trusting him. Right. So one of my favorite scriptures, Psalm 27 Uh, Verses 13 and 14, David said, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And remember, mom and dad, if you have a prodigal and you're praying and you're not seeing any any success, you're not seeing them turn toward the Lord at all. uh, The the issue is not, well, this is never going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. So keep praying. God really responds to persistence. As we talked last Sunday in church, uh, the woman before the judge, Luke 18, give me legal protection from my adversary, from my opponent. And she kept coming to that judge and kept coming and kept coming. It's like the friend at midnight. That's also that parable in in the gospel of Luke. uh, Kept knocking at the door. Open up for me. A friend has come to see me. I need bread. You have bread. And uh, Jesus said he's not going to open up because he's his friend. He's going to open up because of his persistence. And so we need to persist in prayer. Well, we're going to take your calls. 1-888-589-8840. 
That's 1-888-589-8840. We would love to talk to you about the subject of prodigals or whatever's on your heart. We do know that this is a a great burden on many, many hearts. And Debbie, as we were talking about uh, parents that have uh, sons and daughters that are living with a girlfriend, living with a boyfriend, or have turned into to the homosexual lifestyle, one of the big dangers uh, is that parents can say, well, I just accept that. I don't really like it, but I accept it because I want to have this relationship with my child. And so I just start changing my theology to adapt to the situation. You can never do that, mom and dad. Your, Your first loyalty is to the Lord and to his word. We don't ever stop loving our kids, but as we talked on Monday, 1 Corinthians 13, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. And so uh, it is not a loving thing to accept that homosexual relationship in your son or in your daughter. You accept them as people, people that for whom Christ died, but you don't accept the sin and you never whitewash that sin and you never say, well, that's okay because it's not. And God doesn't accept that sin and he never will. You know, I, I think back to the movie In His Image. And um, if, if you have not seen that, I would strongly urge everyone listening to to watch that film. That um, It's just fabulous. But the one of the girls that they interviewed that had come out of that lifestyle, that was one of the things she talked about was that how her mom continued to pray for her, continued to love her, but never condoned what she did. And um, she she never felt uh, necessarily unloved by her mom, but she knew that her mother was not budging on what she believed was right and what she believed was wrong based on God's word. And that was a powerful testimony because as a parent, that that would be really difficult, you know, um, super difficult to know how to navigate that narrow, narrow rope uh, of walking between loving but not condoning behavior. Right. Well, I, I've said <clears throat> for years, your meology cannot trump your theology. And you say, what does that mean? Well, that means what happens. What happens to you? Meology is what happens to me and what happens to my um, circle and my loved ones. And so if things happen to me or to those I love that is outside of the Bible or contrary to the Bible, um, I'm going to choose my loved ones or I'm going to choose to go with with what is specific to my life. And if it contradicts the word of God, well, then meology trumps theology. You can never have that. Theology governs everything. What does God say? That is the most important thing about any issue. What does God say about it? And if we go with what God says, because if we don't, then we're going to go off the rails. And that happens every single time. I think that's why it's so important that we stay in prayer and that we stay very connected to the Lord. You know, Hebrews 10, 23 tells us to hold fast uh, the confession of our hope without wavering. And that hold fast is a is kind of like a nautical term to like set your course and to say straight on it, to not deviate even a degree off. Um, 
and because the one who promised us is very faithful. God is faithful to us. And so we have to continue to not grow weary in doing good, to just really continue and, and stay in the trenches in prayer for those that we love so that the Lord can do a great work in their heart. Amen. Romans 15, 13 is a great verse to memorize and to claim. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, we're taking your calls, 1-888-589-8840. We would love to talk to you. So we're going to uh, take a quick break and then we'll be back after the break. Call in and let's visit. I'm Mark Harrington, founder of the pro-life group Created Equal and host of Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show. Created Equal is all about saving the lives of unborn children. Each week, I cover the latest pro-life news and feature interviews with unsung heroes from across the nation who are making a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice. Join me every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 for The Mark Harrington Show here on American Family Radio and discover how you, too, can help protect the lives of the most innocent among us. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies are very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Pastor Robert Jeffress. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Imagine a giant dam that is in danger of uh, collapsing, crumbling, and uh, there's a village below filled with people who are in danger of being flooded. And a group of concerned townspeople go up and they push up against that dam. Then they know ultimately their effort is futile. Ultimately, that dam is going to burst. And that's really what we Christians are trying to do. We're not going to save this culture. We're not going to prevent its ultimate collapse. But we're to push back against evil for as long as we can to give people an opportunity to hear the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to be a preservative, pushing back against evil, but at the same time, we're to be sharing the light of Jesus Christ. And I believe we're to get involved and not get in our spiritual silos and wait for the end to come. A reminder from American Family Radio. Raising Godly Boys with Mark Hancock. Have you heard about Generation Z? No, it's not some new boy band. It's a label applied to those born between 1997 and 2012. Many people look at today's Generation Z as media-obsessed teenagers who are lazy, cynical, unambitious. But this stereotyping fails to reveal the clever, creative, and compassionate way these teens are influencing their communities. Many times they simply haven't been inspired to set goals and achieve their dreams. Sometimes they simply haven't had a good role model to push them forward. Are you inspiring your son to achieve worthwhile goals? While it's commendable to be a success in sports and academics, it's even more important that your son follow the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. For more encouragement, visit TrailifeUSA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. 
Find free resources to help you at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries, heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. I'm filling in this week for Dan Celia as he recovers from an illness, and so it has been a joy to be with you. We are in the studio, Debbie, uh, my wife and I, and we're talking about the issue of prodigals. And so how do you pray for a prodigal? You know, uh, one of the things I tell people often is pray that God would make them miserable in their sin and would open their eyes to the fact that the Lord is good. It's the kindness of God, the Bible says, that leads leads men to repentance. But if everything is going great in our lives, um, and just as the prodigal, he didn't come to his senses till he was at the pigsty. So moms and dads can pray that, God, make my child sick in their sin so that they would return to you. And I think as parents, if we're not careful, we can circumvent what God is wanting to do in our kids' lives. If we try to jump in and fix everything, we we have to let them make their mistakes and bear the consequences of those mistakes. And that can be really hard to do as a parent. It can be really hard to sit back and watch your child make poor decision after poor decision after poor decision and not want to just leap in and and take over and try and fix things for them. But um, so often when we do those kind of things, it just backfires on us so badly because God is trying to work something out in their heart and he knows the best way to do that. We don't, he does. And so we have to, we have to trust him in those situations, even though from our vantage point, it it just looks like, oh, how, how are they going to come out of this? How How is this going to ever turn around? Right. You know, and um, I think back to a, a verse in Second Chronicles 20 with the story of Jehoshaphat, where he and his, he was coming up against a vast army and his, he and his people had been fasting and praying. And one thing that that he said, which I think is so applicable to this situation is that, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And as as a parent of a prodigal, so often we don't know what to do. We don't know what is the right thing to do. If I, if I do A, is that going to be a mistake? And I should have done B. If right. I do B, should it have been A? And we can just get in this internal battle in our minds and the enemy comes in to just stoke that fire even more and more. And so we have to keep trusting that the Lord does know what he's doing and that he loves our prodigal more than we ever could. Um, And, and he he's waiting with open arms, return to me and I'll return to you. He's waiting for that to take place. And um, so we have to trust him with that. For sure. Well, we're taking your calls and uh, we have Paula from Texas. Paula, you're on the line. Welcome to the broadcast. Hi, um, I enjoy listening to you in the evening. Um, oh, thank you. And I, uh, I have a 32-year-old that I haven't spoken to, um, or she hasn't spoken to me, <laughs> um, in over a year. And I've, I've struggled with many emotions, um, and she lives 2,500 miles away 
Um, so I haven't seen her in a little bit over a year and a half. And um, I, you know, I, like I said, I've struggled with so many emotions, anger, uh, frustration, um, <clears throat> all of it. And, um, and I, I feel like I've come to a peace with it uh, because I, I have realized it's not me, even though I definitely was not the perfect parent. Um, but I, I still try to communicate with her through cards, and, and I try to text her, but I don't think she gets any of my, oh, no, that kind of uh, communication. Um, so I guess I, I just, I don't know, heard your, what you were talking about this morning, and, and, um, and the one thing that you brought up was praying for her to become miserable in her sin. And, um, you know, we don't know why she cut off communication with us. Um, we've gleaned some information through our other daughter who had contact with her for a short time um, that she felt like something that we did in her raising that uh, has harmed her in some way, emotionally, I guess. Um, and, um, you know, like my oldest daughter says, I lived in the same house and I don't remember any of those things that she's telling me. <laughs> so yeah. it's confusing. And like I said, it's heartbreaking. Um, but I guess I need to spend more time in prayer for her. And I, I guess maybe I'd just like to know how, uh, to pray for her. And I'm doing this Bible study. I have to say that one of the things that the leader talks about is staring at God and glancing at your life. And um, so that hopefully that will help me keep my eyes on what's important. Not that she's not important, but um, right. he's the one that's going to be able to fix her, not me. <laughs> Right. I think, well, thank you, Paula, for sharing that. I think, too, a lot of times in, in those situations, especially the way you're describing it, uh, sounds like your daughter is is bitter at you for something that you don't even know what you did. And maybe she's created that in her own mind, because if your other child says, well, I don't remember that at all. Um you know, we, we all perceive things differently and children can perceive things differently and, and kind of take in hurts and hold on to those. And when you uh, nurse a hurt and rehearse a hurt and you curse a hurt and then you blame your mom and dad, mom and dad are easy targets to blame. And you're the cause for me having this relationship problem or this confidence problem or this problem, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then the bitterness sets in and it makes it very, very difficult because you become the punching bag for all their woes in life. And so uh, uh, I would just pray, God, make my child sick to death at the pigsty and uh, open her eyes to the truth that you are good and you love her and her mom and dad love her. And we're praying for her. Paula, let, let me just say to, first uh, that my heart breaks for you. I, I just know as a mom how 
how um, just devastating that must be to you. And I, I've joked for years that if one of the T-shirts I would make if I ever had a T-shirt company would be when all else fails, blame your mother, because that <laughs> just is so often how it, it, it things seem to turn around. But I would encourage you to, if you have not done this already, to Get just a group of, of other moms that that you trust that you can be transparent and honest with and and have them join you in prayer so that it, it's not just you so that they can they can be your Aaron. They can lift your arms up when you're just too weak and too frustrated and just too confused to pray about something Um but that they can come alongside you and support you in that and agree in prayer. There's power and agreement in prayer. And um, I would encourage you to do that if you have not done that already. Amen. Well, we're taking your calls 1-888-589-8840. And we have Lynn from Arkansas. Lynn, welcome to the broadcast this morning. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say a long time ago when I was raising my um, teenager, she had just left home and she was she had gone to Christian school and everything, and she was definitely walking in the wrong direction. And um, I had an example from a pastor who actually disowned his daughter, and I thought, I am not going to do that. And um, example meaning I just observed it, you know. Right. And uh, she, I was so hurt, but I kept, like, kind of bringing her food or not nothing excessive, like her week's groceries, just maybe made something and took it to her and just to connect, you know. Anyway, she did end up coming back around, but um, not long ago, I went to meet a new neighbor in the neighborhood. And um, I think he's conservative, but not Christian, he, he and his family. Um, and he told me he had another son, but he said, um, I don't ever see him because he's doing this and he's doing that. And I told him, when you get yourself straight, then you can come and see me. And I thought, you know, I couldn't say anything to this man because I just met him. I'm not going to give him um, advice, you know. And I thought, wow, you know, um, he should try to keep the connection um, going. And, you know, anyway, because I could see his son would not want to come and see him if he, you know, had that right. kind of right. attitude. Well, that's excellent point. You know, um, in the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal knew uh, he knew that he had wounded his father deeply. And uh, but he, but he knew he could go back to his father and maybe just become a like a hired man, you know, just to work for his father because he figured sonship was off the table. But if he if he thought his father w- had disowned him, tore his robes, you're dead to me, boy, uh, then he would have figured I can't come back. And he didn't think like that. He thought I can come back. And uh, and he did. And great things happen. God is obviously the father in that story. But that's the kind of parent I want to be. Right. I want to be that kind of parent where regardless of what my kids do, they know they can always come back to me. I'm not I'm not, not going to condone their actions. I might not agree with them, but I always love them. But right. love supersedes. Right. And and the, the prodigal knew that about his dad. Um, 
and his dad lavished him with grace and mercy and forgiveness and so over the top we're going to kill the fat calf we're going to have a party the prodigal never thought that was going to happen but it did because that is the heart of god and uh, as you take uh, as you think of that song if you take one step toward the savior my friend you'll find his arms open wide don't go away we'll be right back AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hi, and welcome back to the broadcast. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, along with my wife, Debbie. We're talking about prodigals. We are filling in this week and next week for Dan Celia as he recovers from an illness. And we're taking your calls, 1-888-589-8840. We have Lisa from Texas uh, on the line. Lisa, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. That's so wonderful. Um, I was the prodigal. I was mm. uh, left, my family went off to New York and then to Hollywood and was a singer and an actress and even though I had a semblance of success, I was miserable because my parents kept praying for me and never <laughs> ceased. And it was, they loved me through it all, but they didn't accept the things I was doing, but they never stopped loving me. And it was seeing that kind of love that drew me to God and, and created the saving faith in me. Uh, when I did finally accept Christ and become a believer, it was because of seeing the kind of love they showed to me as as a representative of the Father's love for us. Wow, how cool! Now, did you did you grow up in a Christian home, Lisa? Uh, I grew up uh, 
Catholic, but, and I know there's many Catholics even in my family that have a wonderful real relationship, but it was dead. I mean, I just, it, for me, it was memorization and repetition, and I really didn't have, I thought I did, you know, as a child, right. but I didn't have any kind of real true relationship. Right. That I grew up Catholic too, and I had the same experience. Mm-hmm. It was just religion. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. so how how far down the road did you have to go before you came to your senses? <laughs> well, you know, I was a successful commercial actor with small roles in films. My uh, husband at the time, an atheist, was a British actor who was much further along in success. And you know, we were living the high life, and in my my heart was empty. The God shaped hole was empty, and then little by little, things kept happening. You know, he would lose this job, and um, I got an injury and couldn't work, and just things just kept going down and down to the fact that I had nothing left. And I went to this church down the street. We even had our our, our Tahoe repoed. I mean, it just went down and down, and then I I walked. I didn't have a car, walked to this church called Hollywood Presbyterian down the street and went to this um, warehouse where they had something called a contemporary urban experience and where the the pastor came in and there were street kids and, you know, after party kids, people barefoot with nose rings and tattoos and purple hair and something about that environment that was so open and there was no walls and it just allowed me to see and feel Jesus and understand his love without the quote unquote church walls around it. And, and that's, I came to my senses in that warehouse. Wow. Wow. What a cool story. That is so awesome. You know, Debbie and I were talking at the break, how, you know, it's critical that, uh, that, prodigal comes to his or her senses and a parent can't uh, can't just chase them and, and try and smooth it over because it has to be a personal decision. And so often the the bottom has to drop out for that person to to come to their senses. And so I appreciate so much you sharing your story, Lisa. And uh, is it OK if I ask your last name so I can watch some of your shows? Oh, yeah, I'm uh I, in fact, I did a podcast interview with uh, Tina Griffin, the counterculture mom uh, who does the who exposes Hollywood. So that podcast is just a few months old. Uh, my name, my SAG, my Screen Actors Guild name was Lisa Cangelosi with a C. <laughs> okay, well, very good. Well, thanks so much for calling in and and sharing that with our listeners. We are we just rejoice with you uh, that the Lord uh, drew you back to Himself. He never and, left you alone. Right. Yeah, and that you came cool. to know him in a real and personal way. Well, we have Ruth from Arkansas. Ruth, welcome to the broadcast this morning. Good morning. Um, my story may not exactly fit, but I, it's a story of redemption. I, uh, as a mother, um, my daughter had um, was married to a narcissist, and. Um, as he was planning the ideas, he pulled her away from all of her friends and everything, isolated her. And then uh, I re- we received a call one night that we were not to have any further contact. And in the conversation, it was made very clear that I would never see her again if I did have contact. And um, it was uh, for 22 months, 
I did not lay eyes on her. And, um, I mean, they live a distance away. And um, so we did the card thing. We sent the cards and, and you know, communicated by, e- by mail and email. Some, no, not so much. Um, and, um, and, and then, um, we, you know, we tried to, my husband tried to make sure she was okay from a distance. And, and that kind of blew up in our face and said, absolutely nothing else. You know, we're trying to get keep our marriage together, and and um, I want I I'm trying to tell my story, not her so much. So I went to Proverbs. My husband had um, I'd heard a message on the four kinds of people, or four types that are mentioned in Proverbs, like the simple man, the foolish man, the wise man, and the uh, arrogant. Uh, I think the King James said, and um, and I looked at that and I thought he fits all of this. Uh, and, you know, an arrogant man will, you know, rebuke an arrogant man and he will hate you. And that was exactly what was happening. And um, so I didn't know she was in devastation every day in an abusive situation every day in some form or other. Um, and that gave me the, the proverb study helped me a lot. And then I you know, noticed that after the Lord's, the model prayer, that uh, Jesus said, if, for if you forgive others their trespasses, trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And I thought, okay, I have to forgive them. And uh, so I worked on that for <laughs> a year or a year and a half. And, uh, uh you know, through listening to good things on radio and um, study of the word, and um, and then we decided. Uh, I saw this verse in Romans: "Bless those who persecute you." And I felt persecuted. Bless and do not curse them. And so we, and I think this might help the mothers there with um, prodigal children. We prayed blessings. I mean, we prayed for them every day. But we really focused on praying a blessing on them and thinking of ways we could bless them. Amen. Um, that That's very and, important. You know, God does respond to that. Obviously, he responds to prayer. And, and uh, I appreciate, Ruth, you bringing that up about uh, forgiveness, because in your situation, um, you have to forgive because unforgiveness eats away at your own heart. And uh, obviously, you are going through uh, lots of emotions there with with that kind of an abusive husband. And uh, boy, as a husband uh, or a dad with three daughters, that would be extremely hard for me. And uh, so I'd probably be visiting you in jail. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, did did she come out of that? Uh, Yes. After 22 months. Um, we reached out at the same time they were kind of receptive. We did it in a letter, and then um, um, we actually got to see them, you know, them at a restaurant, And but it never came up because we just went there and loved them and didn't bring it up, and they didn't bring it up. And then, um, uh, so, but that was the beginning, and over the course of the next year, she laid, she put a, lying down in the sand, and uh, and it uh, came to an end. And the beautiful thing is the Lord has restored the years the locusts have eaten. 
and Amen. we have a great relationship. And uh, and I can't even tell you what year that happened. So that's how good it's been. <laughs> wow! Praise the Lord. Well, God is God is so good, and God does answer prayer. He doesn't answer it in our timing. He answers it in His timing. And uh, you know, when we pray, as we talked in the, earlier in the broadcast, when we pray, we may not think that God is is listening or that God is working, but He is. And uh, he works on the person, he works on the place, he works on the particulars, he works on the circumstances, and in his timing, he brings that all about. Well, I think uh, to just continue to to pray scripture is is so powerful. And I know that when we, we had a prayer lunch recently at our church for people who did have prodigals, and that's one of the things we, we brought to uh, the lady's attention is to just continue to pray, to not to not give up and um, how wonderful and how blessed you are that God would just restored that relationship. And um, we're just happy to hear that. That's, that's a great testimony. Well, such an encouragement to our listeners that, uh, Hey, 22 months, you can throw in the towel after 21 months and say, I tried, this doesn't, didn't work, but keep on going. Men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to give up, not to lose heart, not to throw in the towel, because God does hear and God is working. And God does love us. And He, when we pray according to His will, the Lord wants to reach prodigals. And He wants, uh, he wants people to return to Him. So 1 John chapter 5, uh, and this is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. So keep praying and keep uh, beseeching the Lord and keep knocking on the door. Ask, seek, and knock. Because if you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking, you'll see that God will answer and the door will open. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We've been talking about prodigals. God wants to reach prodigals, and may we as moms and dads continue to pray and continue to trust that God is going to answer. Make it a great weekend. Keep trusting the Lord. We'll see you next time. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith. Family. Freedom. American Family Radio.